0: I'm Eden
1: and I'm Nicole. Welcome to Roadside Roadside Horror Horror Show. Show.
0: We are in Florida this week. The Sunshine State.
1: Yeah, Sunshine State.
0: It's a it's a state. It's a fun state.
1: It's apparently one of the flattest states. Really? Yeah, I could see that. Its median elevation is a hundred feet above sea level. It
0: has a lot of beaches. It does
1: have a lot of beaches
0: because it's a peninsula.
1: And I mean, everything is a beach essentially, right? Yeah.
0: Life's a beach.
1: Life is a beach <laughs> in Florida.
0: <laughs> I'm going to make mugs and t shirts to that effect.
1: Uh oh. Look out gang. <laughs> Merchandising. Um, so I do have some additional fun facts aside from the flat state fact. Florida also has the most golf courses.
0: I could see that too. There's a lot of old yeah. people and old people play golf.
1: And I mean it's so flat there it makes it easy to play golf. That right? is true. Well. Approximately a thousand people move to Florida each day. I'm assuming before coronavirus,
0: and then move back to Pennsylvania afterwards. <laughs> That's everyone that I know.
1: I do know a lot of people who have moved to Florida and then like moved away. It's interesting. Yeah, but now I know why. Because a thousand people move there per day. That's a lot of people every that year. Is a
0: lot of people, and plus most of the the, the houses in Florida, mm-hmm. it's either like 55 and over communities. Or it's all in like developments, or you have to pay like homeowner association mm-hmm. fees. It's just a headache to find a place to live in Florida.
1: I bet, I bet, high demand. Yeah, uh, there's no dinosaur fossils in Florida. Huh. Right. Interesting. I know. I was like, that's weird.
0: Yeah, I've never. That's okay.
1: That's mostly because apparently during the dinosaur age, the Florida peninsula was mostly underwater. So.
0: Oh, that makes sense then. Okay.
1: Uh, I have a lot of fun facts about your car in Florida. Oh, okay. Like, for example, it has the most toll roads out of any state in the Union.
0: Oh, okay. That's not fun.
1: Yeah, I didn't expect that, but it makes sense because it's so long. Yeah, I mean, I guess I do remember
0: there being a lot of tolls. Yeah. So Lots of bridges. Yeah.
1: You must register your car in Florida, even if you only live there part-time.
0: Huh. Oh, I have a fun fact about Florida and cars.
1: Oh, yeah? Do share.
0: You don't have to i think it's something like you don't have to do like one of your inspections it's optional oh yeah
1: i like that i like places where like you can go and like get your inspection done once and you're done for that car yeah
0: it's (laughs) it's something weird like that i remember but
1: um i also think it's weird like when you take the driver's test to get your license in florida you don't have to learn how to parallel park or rather you don't have to demonstrate that you know how to parallel park
0: yeah (laughs) which is a godsend
1: is I did fail my first like driving test because I couldn't parallel park.
0: See, I failed my first driver's test after parallel parking perfectly. I failed it because I apparently went one mile over the speed limit for like three seconds. <laughs> so I failed it. Um, and I heard later on from a friend that every guy that goes to get tested at that place mm-hmm. that gets this one woman, she fails because oh. she just hates men. Um, and I was gonna have her again for my second time, but she looked and said, "Oh," and then walked back in the the place and got <laughs> someone else. Um, and I used all three uh, three backups to parallel park that time, but I passed with flying colors.
1: Oh, I, I know you pass because I've seen you drive a car. Yes. I assume. <laughs> I just assume. Crazy. Um, what else is interesting about Florida? I mean, when I think of Florida, I always think of gators, right?
0: Yes, they're annoying as hell because really? they're in the middle of the road constantly. Really? They're dumb. <laughs> like they will sit there and make you late for things because they won't leave the road and it's a fucking alligator. So you don't want to get out of your car and yeah. do anything. It's, Although they're normally not like so bad. Like they're not like normally angry and vicious like people think. They're but just slow
1: rolling across the just, street. <laughs>
0: yeah. They'll just hang out in the road. Yeah, Florida is kind of annoying when it comes to wildlife because, first of all, alligators.
1: Which is the state animal.
0: And then fire ants, which should be the state animal because there's enough of them. (laughs) And then also snakes. So it's like, don't (gasps) step on the grass at all. Don't go in the water.
1: (laughs) Nope. I am terrified of snakes. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't like snakes. I don't like spiders. I'm like, no, I am terrified. Yeah, I
0: I don't want to be bitten.
1: It's not even that. So, for example... I went to my mom's garage in too long ago, and I saw a snake, and I screamed and ran out, and I refused to go into that section of the garage again. Yeah. And then my mom came out, and she laughed at me because it was literally a garden snake. Oh, a
0: okay. So the cute little ones that but they're
1: not cute; they're terrifying.
0: They don't even hurt when they bite you.
1: I don't care. I do not like them. It feels
0: like um like Velcro.
1: Oh, gross. <laughs> Ugh. Speaking of gators, though. Apparently, the Florida Everglades is the only place on the planet where crocodiles, crocodiles and
0: alligators live yeah. together. Yep,
1: I didn't know that they were so exclusive.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, because crocodiles don't really live anywhere else that I can think of in the U.S. They're like in Egypt and shit.
1: Hmm. so they're like river, right? They're, like...
0: they're uh, crocodiles are saltwater oh. and alligators are freshwater.
1: See, the more you know. Do, 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 do.
0: And crocodiles are vicious and mean, so stay away from them.
1: How could you tell? I know there are like telltale signs but
0: yeah i've actually never been to the everglades really yeah
1: neither neither have i've flown over them yeah me too Uh, so everyone always thinks of florida the sunshine state like florida oranges Mm -hmm. florida orange juice it's more than just orange juice apparently florida produces lots of watermelons the most in the country in fact it also produces the most tomatoes strawberries and sugar huh like that's I knew, interesting i knew about the sugar because i know like all around like orlando and stuff it's like yeah. a bunch of sugar plantations oh yeah. and stuff but yeah so florida uh weird wildlife delicious produce and uh you pretty much uh guarantee you're gonna spend a lot of time in your car looking for a place to live oh yeah <laughs> two other fun facts i have about florida one which i was surprised apparently jacksonville florida is the largest city in the country by square square acreage. I didn't Which, know that. I would think it would be something like Houston, like yeah, a right? sprawling city. But no, apparently it's Jacksonville.
0: That's weird. Okay.
1: And then, of course, the one that makes the most sense. Uh, mechanical refrigeration was invented in Florida in 1851 by Dr. John Gorey. Okay. Yeah.
0: Which Not Edward sense. Gorey. Not Edward Gorey, his Aww.
1: distant cousin. No, it's spelled differently. <laughs> it's fine.
0: Um, Every time I think of Jacksonville now, I just think of Jason Mendoza from (laughs) The Good Place. I'm like, oh, sweet, stupid Jason.
1: Jacksonville Jags. (laughs) So, Eden, you teased me last week saying that you had something extra special for our Florida episodes.
0: Oh, yes. Um I think that we should do Florida man stuff Yes. because it'll be hysterical. We're going to save most of it for our next episode because I want to put it out on Facebook, get you guys into it um, so you can give us your birthdays and we can look up your Florida man for you and read it on the air. Um, But we are going to do our own today. So let me get my phone out. All right. Let's see what Florida has in store for February 19th. Well, this is very Florida. Florida man arrested for trafficking cocaine stuffed Lunchables and Ford F-150. <laughs> so
1: I hope it's the pizza at Lunchables. Oh,
0: and it's, it's a double because it's two Florida men. <gasps> they were recently arrested. I don't know how recently since I didn't look at the date. date but, you know, by the Ohio State Highway Patrol. That's kind of far out from Florida, but I guess they were traveling.
1: Good for them. Yeah.
0: So after a large quantity of cocaine was found in a rented Ford F-150 in their possession, much to everyone's surprise, the illegal substance was stashed in Kraft Lunchables containers. <laughs> Sprinkle a little cocaine on your uh, your crappy cracker pizza.
1: Did you? Oh, it's the ham. Just a little cocaine jazzes it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that ham tastes bad enough that you need some cocaine to enjoy it. <laughs>
1: better than mustard <laughs> do i have to look up my, how, do, how do i look up my florida man
0: oh yeah i'll look up your florida man what's your birthday
1: january 7th
0: january 7th i forgot you were that early
1: surprise everyone's always like too still hung over from new year's and christmas to celebrate my birthday
0: oh yours <laughs> is so good too <laughs> florida man denies syringes found inside rectum are his <laughs>
1: I'm holding them for a friend.
0: (laughs) A Florida man denied syringes were his after jail officials found them in his rectum during a strip search. Wesley Scott, 40, was arrested on Friday on an outstanding warrant charging him with drug possession. According to WPLG, when Scott was searched at the jail, officers found three syringes inside his rectum. Scott claimed he found the syringes and they were not his. Although he did not expect, uh, explain how they ended up in his buttocks. He is being charged with introducing contraband into a correctional facility, and his bond was set up at $5,000.
1: Wow. I don't even... Wow. There's just... I have so many questions, but I also don't want to know the answers.
0: How do you... I mean, aren't you afraid of being poked internally? I mean,
1: I don't... Uh, what if the
0: cap comes off? I
1: don't... Uh...
0: Oh, I... Oh. Not
1: mine, though.
0: <sighs> Officer, I do not know how they got up there. How? How do you even lie about something like that? I don't know. I must have been sleeping and someone put them in there. Like
1: I remember finding them and I put them on my car seat. I put and them on I... my
0: anus so I wouldn't forget. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I call it my to-go pocket.
0: Wow. Okay. So if those intrigued you, please give us your birth dates so we can, uh, you know, look Del up farther. your Florida man.
1: Yeah, Del Farther into the Florida man experience my God. (laughs) Well. Now that we're suitably doused in Sunshine State delight, I guess we can get into our stories. I guess we can get into our
0: stories. Yeah. All right. Well, I got a fun one for you. My story for this week takes place in Perry, Florida. It's a small town with a population of a little over 7,000 and an area of 9.38 square miles. As we've discussed before, I have no idea how big a square mile is apparently so i don't know if that's big or not in landmass anyway it's in taylor county which is right by the panhandle i don't know if it's considered the panhandle but i don't think so but it's just really close in there
1: okay yeah i always get confused about what's what's the panhandle Panhandle, what's what's not not exactly and i always feel like a monster when people are like it's not the panhandle yeah right i thought i don't know how geography works
0: yeah, well, I'm sure most people who live there probably go to Tallahassee to um, do things because I did not find a lot of stuff to do in Perry.
1: I've I've been to Tallahassee.
0: I've never been to Tallahassee.
1: It's interesting. It's it's like Florida does Georgia. Yeah, like it very much feels like you're someplace in Georgia versus someplace in Florida. I could see that, but it is drivable to like a lot of beaches, of course. Oh yeah, they're Florida. all right
0: there. Yeah, I did find a few really fun things after searching for a while such as these two festivals.
1: Ooh, I like a good festival.
0: There's the Florida State Bluegrass Festival, which is pretty self-explanatory, and I probably wouldn't go, but I think my sister might. Fair. And then there's the Smoking in the Pines Barbecue Festival, which I would absolutely attend and can't believe I never have because it combines several things I love in life, the first being amazing food. As long as... Joseph Metheny did not bring <laughs> his barbecue along. I'll eat everything they have. <laughs> Besides the food, there's also live music from country to rock to blues. Uh, the latter two are genres that I love, so I would love to go there. They also have an antique car show, which is always fun, as well as a lot of arts and crafts related things, and lots of activities for kids as well.
1: And that's all at the festival?
0: Yeah, all the festival. Yeah, they have a lot of that stuff. That sounds awesome. I know. This was also, unfortunately a place with a history of racial tension as well. Mm. Uh, It was literally the only historical thing Wikipedia said about the town.
1: Wow, that's a little dark.
0: Yeah, it's where the Perry race riot occurred. Uh, It involved lynchings and other terrible things, so I'm just going to avoid that subject uh, because we're going to have a full plate with my story as it is. This is the tale of Christine Falling.
1: I don't think I know who that is, but I'm excited to learn.
0: Oh, she's... She's something. <laughs> Christine Laverne Slaughter, fitting maiden name, was born on March 12th, 1963 in Perry, Florida. Her parents were extremely different in age. Her mom, Anne, was 16 and her dad, Thomas, was 65.
1: Whoa. Yeah. That's like some straight out of like, you know. Some kind of cult marrying the daughter's sort of religion. It's well. Circumstance age gap.
0: Well, we'll get to that weirdness. I mean, (laughs) no mention of a cult, but it's still. Yeah, we'll get there. First, I saw like what the story was about. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this sounds freaking weird. She seems really nuts. So you got me. Let's look this up. And then that was the first thing that I found out when doing my notes. And I was like, whoa, this just gets weirder.
1: Is it one of those like terrifying onions where you keep peeling a layer and you're like, oh, that's creepy. Oh, God, it's not getting better. It's, it's not yeah, getting it's, better. it's
0: pretty much we get to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so excited. Yeah. So we're not really getting off to a great start here with statutory rape. But OK, we'll uh, make it through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As if that wasn't bad enough, she was her parents' second child. She had a sister named Carol, who was about a year and a half older than she was.
1: Wow, wow. I did not see that coming.
0: Yeah. She also had two younger brothers whose names were Michael and Earl. Okay. And every time I hear the name Earl, all I think of is the Dixie Chicks. <laughs> so, because at karaoke all the time, someone's got to sing goodbye Earl. <laughs> Apparently, her mother was gone a lot when she was a young child and not for work or school or anything, She would just leave and come back pregnant, according to one of my sources.
1: Okie dokie.
0: Yeah, it was like her thing. Run away, get pregnant, come back.
1: Sound like Jerry Blank.
0: Yeah, apparently. In fact, um, Earl is the only other kid I know for sure is Thomas's biological child. Hmm. Christine had a bit of a rough childhood, to say the very least, which probably played a role in the woman that she would grow up to be. She was yet another epileptic, since we need a third unofficial theme for this podcast. (laughs) She also probably has some developmental disabilities as well. Um, A lot of things said that she was just not very intelligent or that she had some sort of disability. Okay. Her family was below poverty level, and like I said, her mom was nowhere to be seen most of the time. So Thomas was the primary caregiver for the kids since Anne was off doing whatever Anne does when she's away. I guess getting pregnant or something like that, probably.
1: All I know is there ain't no sunshine when she's gone. That
0: is true. And he would just take them out with him to work in the woods. I don't know what he did. Like, I didn't find out what his job was. Okay. But he he worked in the woods. A woodsman in Florida. I guess. A Florida woodsman. Cool. We all know of those. Not really. Storied
1: but. history at the Florida Woodsman. <laughs> it's
0: the urban legend that you hear all the time. <laughs> the Perry Woodsman. I don't know exactly what his job was, like I said. My sources never specified. Uh, I do know that Thomas did end up having some sort of accident on the job, though, and then couldn't really take care of the kids like he used to. So this pretty much forced Anne to stop doing, again, whatever the hell Anne does and come home to be with her family.
1: Well, at this point, too, he probably has to be in his, like, 70s, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, that's crazy, taking care of four kids.
0: Yeah. It's old enough to be her freaking grandfather.
1: Well, I was going to say, it's hard enough for anybody, like, people in their 30s and 40s to take care of oh, three, yeah. like, three or four kids. Oh, my imagine, God. Like...
0: Her staying at home doesn't last long, however, and Anne decides that she wants to be free to roam once more like the majestic migratory bird I assume she is. <laughs> And she starts leaving the kids with relatives from time to time to go out and do Anne things,
1: as Anne is wont to do.
0: See, I was like half asleep when I wrote this, so I get really fucking weird. That's why I, I said majestic migratory bird.
1: I appreciate it. I think you should be sleep deprived and write your notes more.
0: When I was sleep deprived and playing um, a Pokemon, one of the Pokemon games, because I have an emulator that runs them. Oh yeah, yeah. I was really tired, and um, my character's female in that game, and i went to like the first town there's this guy that's like i'll show you around I'm like i don't fucking want you to and he showed me around anyway and he's like this is the water this is this i'm like i know yeah you know what? i am a strong empowered woman you do not need to mansplain to me how to play this game
1: <laughs> thanks for being ally eden
0: yeah see that that's the uh that's the kind of shit that comes out of my mouth when i am half asleep
1: glad you got to walk a mile in her shoes
0: <laughs> right oh speaking of shoes the next point in the game, he's like, I notice you don't have any running shoes. Here, you can have mine. They're still warm. Gross. Gross. <laughs> Gross.
1: Like, it's one thing when someone, like, leaves a warm spot for you on, like, in a cold in bed. The no. <laughs> in the pool. In the that, pool. No, that's a bad thing. I was going to say, like, in bed or something like that. Like, I warmed up your seat. Yeah. That can be pleasant. Not, Not shoes. Not warm shoes. No. I don't
0: want you wearing mm-hmm. my shoes. That's really nasty. Anyway, so let's go back to... To Christine and Anne and everybody. See how all the kids are doing. Uh, I guess Anne came back long enough one time to, according to Christine's older sister Carol, anyway, uh, abandon them at a shopping center before running off to live her best life once more. It's awful. Yeah, the kids went to foster care and various orphanages after this. And according to Wikipedia, the reason for this wasn't the abandonment, but that Anne and Thomas just didn't have enough money to support them and were always arguing.
1: Mm.
0: However, it happened. It happened. And I would assume that this only really furthered Christine's damaged childhood and mental state, causing her to become one hell of an angry child.
1: I mean, I think that's fair. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: She began to display one of the typical signs of serial killer behavior, And as a young child, she began torturing small animals, and she loved to kill cats. Later in life, when asked why she liked to kill cats, she simply said that she wanted to know if they really had nine lives.
1: That's super fucked up.
0: That might be a good enough excuse the first time you kill a cat, but I'm pretty sure after that you have figured out that they don't have nine lives after Mm -hmm. the first one dies. So, okay, okay, Christine. Usually, she would accomplish testing the nine lives theory by dropping these cats from high above her. Um, if anything,
1: also testing if they land on their feet. Terrible.
0: Well, that's what I was about to say. If anything, not that I'm encouraging hurting these cats at all, but I think you know that this more so tested the supposed ability for a cat to always land on its feet.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, they can. They just break all the bones in their body because they're
0: yes. animals. Yes. Because they're animals and they're squishy.
1: They're not superheroes. God, I know (laughs) I think that sometimes too, but they're not.
0: And I'm definitely in no way encouraging any sort of animal abuse. I love all animals except cave crickets.
1: I mean, so, you know me. It's like any time in True Crime it's like, you know. They, they, not the pet. I yeah. I feel like, oh, God. I do that,
0: too. I'll watch the goriest, bloodiest horror movie ever and be like, oh, this is fine. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, not
1: the puppy. Or it's like, what's going to happen to that dog? They went camping with that dog and the killers are with them. What's going to happen to that dog? Oh, God, and the like, dog's like, going to die. People.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, no, I'm saving the dog. I'm leaving the people behind. What's
1: happening in that golden retriever? Is it going to be okay? <laughs> exactly. Sorry, back to your story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christine and Carol ended up getting adopted together by a couple named Jesse and Dolly Falling, of which Jesse was related somehow to the slaughters, but I don't really know how.
1: Okay.
0: Dolly had always wanted children but couldn't have them, so she was happy to have Christine and Carol come live with them. Things weren't really great for anyone here, though, because first of all, Christine was just obviously already showing signs of antisocial personality disorder and had regular fits of rage. Carol was apparently also said to be quite a handful and a bit unruly as well. Uh, There's also sexual abuse going on in the home from Jesse as well as physical abuse, but both Jesse and Dolly have denied these claims. According to a social worker, however, Jesse was arrested twice for sexual abuse on Carol, but neither charges stuck as one was a hung jury and the second one, the charges were dropped.
1: And they ended up back with Jesse and Dolly after that?
0: Yeah, but it got pretty Mm. bad. It got so bad, in fact, that the church pastor actually took them out of the home and they were sent to a foster home in Orlando. While staying here, although Christine enjoyed her time at the home, she was said to be manipulative, a troublemaker, and a compulsive liar. The girls spent a year here before returning to the Fallings, where although there wasn't any more sexual abuse that we know of, Jesse did beat the girls and one time made Christine wear shorts to school the next day so everyone could see the bruises that he made on her, and he called them Justice Marks.
1: That's so messed up. Yeah, he's like,
0: I want everyone to see them justice mocks. So I'm like, what? Okay.
1: Wouldn't that have like, triggered like teacher intervention?
0: Yeah, I, I, maybe not back then.
1: What year is it again?
0: Um, assuming somewhere in the 70s by this point.
1: Mm, okay, that's fair.
0: After this, Christine and Carol just ran away. And Christine actually went back to live with Anne for some reason for a while, which was a bad idea because she was then forced to marry a 20-year-old man at the age of 14. Hmm. who was also kind of related to her.
1: Gross.
0: His name was Goober Falling.
1: What? Goober Falling? Yes.
0: And, yeah, <laughs> I know.
1: You have this knack for finding amazing names. I know.
0: He was like her, I don't know if he's her stepbrother or what, but somehow because she was staying with the Fallings before that mm-hmm. were somehow related to her. So he's also somehow related to her, whether it's blood or not. I don't know. It could be a not another teen movie thing. But you're my sister, only by blood. Um, Could be that. So I feel so bad for this guy because not only was he married to Christine... But his name was Goober, like the fucking candy. Yeah. That's, so
1: I mean, that's a whole insight into this family.
0: Yes. Goober. Wow. That's abuse right there. <laughs> Let's just say that theirs was not a very happy marriage since they pretty much fought nonstop and it was over in the blink of an eye as they were divorced in six weeks. If you were hoping for an epic love story to break up the tragedy, tough luck, guys. Not this time. It's at this point where my sources don't play well together, as one says that Christine got really sick, and another one said that she was either a hypochondriac or had Munchausen's.
1: Interesting.
0: She was apparently in the hospital over 50 times in two years. Always saying something different, like that a snake bit her even though it didn't, or that she was having heavy bleeding, which turned out just to be her normal period, according to one source, while another one said that these were legitimate claims, so who knows. I do know one of the things uh, that she went to the doctors for was seeing spots, which might actually be something medical, but I know it from Bugs Bunny cartoons and the like. So my bet is psychosomatic illness and or hypochondria and or Munchausen's. Because hmm. I see, spots. I just think of Bugs Bunny lying in bed being like, I'm seeing spots and all mm-hmm. this stuff, you know, to get away from Elmer Fudd or somebody, you know. Either way, she was deemed incapacitated medically and couldn't really work. Okay. She started babysitting then at the age of 17 because she needed a way to make some money. This was a terrible idea because this is where her murder spree began.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. This doesn't seem like somebody I would recommend living children with.
0: No. All I heard when looking for stories was Killer Babysitter and I was there. Mm -mm. So
1: I've seen that movie. Yeah, right?
0: She started off her babysitting career by sitting for neighbors or family members and started making some decent money. She seemed to be good at her job and she enjoyed the work. Little did they know how much they should never have trusted this woman with their children. On February of 1980, Christine was babysitting for the Johnson family and was taking care of their baby, whose cute little nickname was Muffin, but the child's real name was Cassidy.
1: Okay. Cute name. Yeah.
0: She was two years old, and according to Christine at the time, suddenly became ill and fell out of her crib. They took her to the doctor, and the doctor said that the baby had encephalitis, which is an inflammation of the brain. Uh, And she ended up dying three days later. An autopsy was performed, and they listed the cause of death as blunt force trauma to the skull. Mm. Sounds fishy, doesn't it? Yeah. You'd be right, but we'll get to that later. The doctor that had examined the baby didn't believe Christine's story and was pretty sure that this baby had been abused at her hands and that she had probably inadvertently killed Cassidy. Seeing as Christine was already a master manipulator, they believed her and no charges were brought up against her and no further investigation took place.
1: So the doctor's like, you totally hurt this kid and the cops were like, well, I don't know, I talked to her and she's crying a lot. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Gross.
0: So this is when Christine moved to Lakeland, Florida, which is near Tampa. So it's like hours away from where she was uh, since she was up closer to the panhandle. Tampa is closer to the middle of the state. And God, it takes forever just to get from Orlando to Tampa. So I don't want to think about how long it takes to get from Perry to Tampa.
1: I know. I always like on a map, Florida doesn't look that large. But But when you're you're driving through it, it's big. It's a big state. That's for certain.
0: Uh, So she got another babysitting job, taking care of a four-year-old this time named Jeffrey Davis, who was her cousin. Only two months after moving to Lakeland, Jeffrey stopped breathing one day while Christine was watching him. When this autopsy was done, the cause of death was listed as myocarditis, which is a heart condition, but it's very rare that it would kill someone. And the doctors didn't really agree that this was necessarily the cause of death, or at least they felt that there was something foul afoot.
1: Okay. So it's like maybe an underlying condition he had?
0: Yeah, he had something, but they it normally doesn't kill people. Okay. But they're like, but he's with. dead, so maybe. So, yeah, so they're just like, I don't know. Um, but, you know, nothing really happened. Three days later, <laughs> during Jeffrey's funeral service, Christine was hired to watch another one of her cousins. He was two years old, and his name was Joseph Spring. After being around her for about three hours or so, he suddenly died too. What? I'm sure everyone feels so bad for Christine by this point, since the only logical conclusion that we can come to for all these dying children under her care must be some sort of magical curse. She is just (laughs) cursed. Poor thing. Clearly, clearly. The doctors diagnosed a viral infection to be Joseph's cause of death. Yeah.
1: Wow. I don't even know what to say to that. I
0: don't know either. It's like when we have so many poisoners and it's like, oh, it was a heart attack or it was this, it was that. Never anything that it actually was. I guess Christine decided that since she's already taken two babysitting jobs here and killed both children in a short amount of time, she should probably get the hell out of Dodge. So somewhere around a year after this, she moves again. Hmm. She decides to go back to Perry at this point and people were getting a little smarter by this point. I guess because no one really wanted her watching their kids now with good reason.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Even if you don't know, you're still like, "Mm, you're still like, I don't know. Kids kids. have a habit
0: of dying around you. Let's just either you're either neglectful abusive or like I said, cursed
1: overall bad babysitting option. Yes.
0: So I'm assuming that like, you know, her interviews went something like, so Christine, do you have any experience as a sitter? Why? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, tell me about your past three jobs. Um,
1: Do you have any references? Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's probably how it went. So she was pretty much unemployable as a babysitter in her hometown. So it was time for strategic career change, and she started working with the elderly instead. Uh, great move on her part. Mm-hmm. She started caring for a man named William Swindle, who was 77, and he mysteriously died in his kitchen the same day that Christine started caring for him. What? She doesn't even take her time. She's no. just like, okay, we're going to do this. Finally. Um, it's just like, I haven't murdered in a while. I'm getting itchy murder finger. Um,
1: Got an itch to scratch. <laughs>
0: exactly. So then she did just that. They pretty much just decided that he was just old and had a heart attack. So that's that.
1: Well, how convenient.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Out of a job again, this Christine. I know.
0: So she was facing a bit of a dilemma here, I think. No one wanted her as a babysitter. So where was she going to find more children to murder? Well, she had this stepsister or maybe half-sister. My sources were weird about that. Uh, And she had a daughter named Jennifer Daniels. So her step-half-sister person, I'm sure not wanting to think the worst of her relative, decided to just bring Christine along. With her eight-month-old daughter, Jennifer, to go get her shots. Sounds innocent enough, right? Yeah. Everything was normal at the doctor. And then when the stepsister or half-sister, depending on the source, went in to get something from a store on the way home, she left Christine in the car to watch Jennifer. Christine obviously took this as getting the green light. And when the step-half-sister returned, Jennifer was mysteriously dead. What? That damn curse strikes again, you guys. It's just, it's not stopping.
1: She sniffs a baby and that baby dies. I guess.
0: Apparently, Jennifer had just stopped breathing. Don't know why.
1: Like babies often do. Oh, of
0: course. It might have been SIDS. Who knows? Mm. I'm sure if the anti-vax movement was as strong as it is today, that they would be all over this saying it was the vaccines. But this was the 80s. So I don't really think it was that popular to be an anti-vaxxer back then.
1: True. No money in it.
0: And plus, Jenny McCarthy hadn't said anything yet.
1: Mm-hmm. No money in it. Yeah. In
0: 1982, Christine got her final murderous babysitting job in the form of 10-month-old Travis Cook. This one was kind of perfect for Christine because Travis was just out of the hospital and she had noticed that he was already having some trouble breathing. Of course, she knew just how to help with this. And surely enough, he suddenly stopped breathing and died. However, this time, the doctors and nurses seemed to wise up to Christine's claims and crocodile tears, and the autopsy showed that the cause of death was suffocation as they noticed internal injuries. Hmm. Christine was questioned by police and she confessed to only three of her murders, saying that she smothered them with blankets or pillows because she heard a voice saying, kill the baby. She was also quoted as saying, quote, the way i done it, I've seen it on TV shows. I had my own way, though. Simple and easy. No one would hear them scream. Yeah. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah.
0: She also apparently couldn't say suffocation or smothering, so she just combined the two words and called it smotheration, which I think might be her episode title.
1: Smotheration.
0: So, yeah, she performed the smotheration. She later took a plea deal and confessed everything. She said with Cassidy, she killed her because she'd gotten kind of rowdy or something. Then she killed Jeffrey Davis because he, quote, made me mad or something. I was already mad that morning. I just took it out on him and started choking him till he was dead. Wow. Then for Joseph Spring, she said, I don't know. I just got the urge and wanted to kill him. So she said that she killed Jennifer because she wouldn't stop crying and doesn't know why she killed Travis
1: just because just
0: because yeah she was only tried for two of the murders for some reason and received two life sentences to be served consecutively and later confessed to the other murders while in prison she had served 25 years when she was up for parole in 2006 but it was denied thankfully
1: uh, yeah
0: she had another parole hearing in 2017 but was denied again her next one is in 2024 Mm-hmm. which is apparently a big year for parole hearings since we just had Susan Smith, who's also up for parole that same year. In my completely unprofessional opinion, I really don't see her getting paroled ever. And I also don't think that she should because I think given half the chance, she would definitely kill again.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah like she and it wouldn't just be babies either it would be any vulnerable anybody. older yeah. person anybody
0: She won't go after people who can fight back
1: Exactly. She'll just
0: go after people who are somehow
1: defenseless or yeah. th- that she has a major advantage over physically it seems. Exactly.
0: Thank you. I couldn't think of words.
1: Okay, that's what I'm here for.
0: <laughs> so, um yeah, what do you think of the story? What the f- What the fuck? Exactly. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. Like
1: I I'm always willing to give Stories where it's like you don't catch the you don't catch a crime, like, yeah. A little bit of a break because I understand it's oftentimes not something that the local medical examiner or coroner deals with regularly. Yeah. they're not looking for it. And so it's they're...
0: also not always that they don't know that something happened. It's just that they can't prove that something
1: happened, and you exactly. need that
0: proof to be able to get a warrant for an arrest or anything like that. So yeah,
1: it's 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 interesting to me though that like she would sort of prey on her own family oh yeah you know she just
0: didn't give a single fuck
1: i mean i understand because they didn't really give a fuck about her
0: that's true too but it was just sad and dark insane yeah now i'm depressed killer babysitter crazy parents who were wildly different in age
1: Mm -hmm. early marriage
0: early marriage that she was forced to have because she was 14 and he was 20 so i mean her parents thought that was perfect and he was also her relative perfect so
1: true love yes
0: exactly so just nuttiness ensues children are unfortunately murdered
1: married and murdered yeah murdered and married murdered and children
0: yeah it sucks Mm
1: -hmm.
0: don't kill kids don't or anyone
1: or cats or Or cats
0: but especially not children or animals because that really bugs me. So yeah, now that I'm depressed,
1: we both need a break now. We definitely just looking need a break. at the devastated look on your face. Yeah. I can tell you to break.
0: Cause I mean, I enjoyed my story, but I'm also just like, Oh God.
1: Well, it's one thing when you like enjoy the research process where you're kind of like consuming the articles and you're, putting together the story in your head and yeah. you're learning more and you get that like you know the brain tickle because you're learning new things yeah it's other thing when you have to share what you've learned and exactly. you realize how dark and how horrible dark and is. horrible
0: it is uh and i can compartmentalize up until a point that's how you get through it but then instead it's like uh, this is real and it's depressing and now i hurt on the inside
1: and this so, is this is why we have road snacks exactly
0: so we will take a quick break and be right back to you we're back
1: We're back. I feel much better. We had some chuckles that weren't about murder.
0: That's true. It was mostly about um, people walking into your house.
1: Thinking that they live there or that they know the person who lives there and it's just you.
0: And it's Yeah, which is not a fun experience, by the way.
1: No, do not. Do not recommend. No.
0: Send a call. Yes, Eden. You have a story for us.
1: I do. So our stop today is a place we've already chatted about a little bit. Oh, nice! The Florida Everglades.
0: Okay, things get weird there, so they do. But then again, it's Florida, so they do. (laughs) The only state that I know of where it can be beautiful and sunny one minute, and then pouring down freaking rain for the next five minutes, and then be beautiful again.
1: Fair, fair. I have Florida weather in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the Everglades. It's a natural region of tropical wetlands made up of a large drainage basin and it's a really unique ecosystem it's the only place in the earth that has this ecosystem so it's very unique
0: it is very interesting like like i said i've never been there but Mm -hmm. i know about it and it seems pretty damn cool and of course i know more about it from the movie wild things
1: (laughs) (laughs) well the everglades is also huge so that's part of it yes uh, it begins near Orlando with the Kissimmee River. Um, the Kissimmee River flows into Lake Okeechobee, and the okay,
0: Then maybe I've touched upon yeah. the Everglades because I have been relatives the, in Orlando. If you, yeah, if
1: you've been to Orlando, like or Disneyland, it's basically built out of Lake Disney World. Disney World. Thank you. I always mess those up. Yeah,
0: Disneyland is in California. So
1: tiny Anaheim.
0: Which was yeah. the first one. Exactly. Disney World came later and it's bigger and better. Better in my opinion, but right. I've never been to Disneyland, so I have nothing to compare it to, guys. I'm just saying that I think it's better.
1: I mean, Disneyland is cool, but like Disney World is definitely better. Have you been to both? Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. But yeah, it, like the land that Disney World sits on is pretty much built out of like that Florida Everglades okay. swamp land yeah. that they backfilled. So, it extends out from Orlando and it's this huge network of like wetlands, and there's also forests, so it's not the same swampy thing you always think of when someone says the Everglades, but it is primarily built from this slow-flowing river that kind of flows out of Lake Opechobee. It's 60 miles wide and over 100 miles long, and eventually it ends in Florida Bay, which is at the very southern tip of the state before you get to the Keys. Okay. So it's huge. Basically, the whole bottom half of Florida, Miami abuts the Everglades, as well. So, that's also a lot of people who say that word again. But <laughs> the Everglades experience a wide range of weather patterns. Uh, there's frequent flooding in the wet season and drought in the dry season.
0: Sounds Speaking of that Florida normal. weather, yeah.
1: <laughs> now, the Everglades ecosystem is the most significant breeding ground for tropical wading birds in North America. It contains the largest mangrove ecosystem in the Western Hemisphere. It's also home to 36... dirty too. Mangrove. 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 <laughs> mangrove Manly Sun. Uh, It's also home to 36 threatened or protected species, including lots of murderous creatures like the Florida panther, the American crocodile, and then cute things like the West Indian manatee.
0: Oh, yeah. Manatees are yeah, all a, over Florida. They're so cute. Fun fact. They die constantly. So, okay. Not Fun fact. <laughs> But people run them over with jet skis all the fucking time. Yeah.
1: It, the, it's a, a lot of the men I've seen have been ones in captivity that are in rehab because yeah. they've gotten like hit by boat propellers, things like that. Yeah.
0: It sucks. I mean, but they're everywhere in Florida. So yeah. it's, they're you know. not really
1: compatible with man and how we like to travel on water.
0: And remember, they're mermaids.
1: Secret mermaids.
0: Beautiful, beautiful mermaids.
1: Butterface mermaids. <laughs> There's also over 350 species of bird. 300 species of fresh and saltwater fish and 40 different species of mammals and 50 species of reptiles that all call the everglades their home
0: That sounds pretty damn cool.
1: Yeah, it's a wild place wild place Now throughout the 20th century the everglades has suffered a pretty significant loss of its natural environment It's mostly due to human development. Surprise. Yeah, yeah, really? (laughs) To date, approximately 50% of the original Everglades has been developed into either agricultural areas for sugarcane or urban areas for suburbs like those that surround Miami. Alrighty. And Disney World. (laughs) Luckily, 1.5 million acres of land has been preserved in the Everglades National Park. That makes the Everglades National Park the third largest national park in the contiguous United States after Death Valley and Yellowstone.
0: Wait, how, how, how big is it?
1: 1.5 million acres. Holy shit. Yeah, okay, yeah. huge. Huge. The Everglades National Park is also a UNESCO World Heritage Site due to its unique ecosystem. A majority of Southern Florida's fresh water is also stored in the Biscayne Aquifer, which is recharged in the park so basically all that water that flows through the Everglades goes through the aquifer and provides you drinking water for pretty much all of southern Florida
0: nice so the Bisquick water is you know
1: Biscay, Bisquick. <laughs> now you said before you've, you've never been to the Everglades right no have not ever, that I knew of anyway have you ever flown over them or anything
0: I think I have yeah
1: I know I flew over them when we went when I went to Mexico because we landed in Atlanta and then you're kind of flying for a while and you're like look at that look at that Florida and then just ocean. Yeah. So. It,
0: it's so fun when you're flying over Florida. Like if you're low enough, like if you're going mm-hmm. to like the Orlando Sanford Airport or something. And um, every house seems to freaking have a pool.
1: Yes. So it's so like, true. Let's look
0: down. Oh, pool, 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 look pool. Look at those people. They don't have a pool. Ha <laughs> ha. Exactly. And when, or when I was, when you
1: fly, fly over Tampa, you realize how many people have these amazing waterfront properties, with boats and stuff.
0: Ugh, Tampa though. I'm sorry. <laughs> if anyone. Loves Tampa. I.
1: I enjoy Tampa. I
0: know that there's there's good things about it, but I had a really bad experience in downtown like Tampa or Saint Petersburg. I don't remember which one. Anytime I lit up a cigarette, there'd be about twenty people asking me for a cigarette. <laughs> people would pull over in their cars <laughs> to ask me for a fucking cigarette.
1: Hey man, you gotta smoke. It's a red light, sir. It's awful. Uh, I was gonna say though, you should give Tampa, Saint Pete, another chance. Okay, I will. I had a lot of fun when I went to visit a friend there a couple of years ago, and uh, it has a like really cool microbrewery scene now. Okay, there's something like over like a hundred, like different microbreweries all dispersed around the bay, and they have a really vivid like art scene now. There's murals everywhere; oh, they're really cool. cool. So
0: yeah, I mean there were things I liked about it. It's it a was changing city. Just really annoying trying to get around being a smoker, <laughs> <laughs> but now that I don't smoke, I guess I won't have that problem.
1: But the Everglades, though. That's where my story takes place. It's also where the ill-fated journey of Eastern Airlines Flight 401 ends and a series of hauntings begin.
0: Oh, okay. This sounds familiar.
1: I think, I think by the time I get to the end of uh, my story, you'll be like, wait a minute.
0: Yeah, I probably will.
1: Eastern Airlines Flight 401 was a regularly scheduled short-haul flight from John F. Kennedy Airport in Queens, New York to Miami International, Florida, and you guessed it, Miami, Florida. The flight time was around 3 hours and Eastern Airline used a Lockheed L1011 TriStar jet powered aircraft for the route. Lockheed? Mhm, like Lockheed Martin?
0: Like uh like Kitty Pride's little dragon guy in X-Men? Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know, they even connect those two. Oh, I love Kitty Pride when she has the dragon. Anyway, back to more depressing it things. was the
0: 80s, it was fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> On December 29th, 1972, flight 401 left New York at around 9.20 p.m. with 163 passengers and 13 crew members. They were scheduled to land in Miami shortly after midnight, but the flight never touched down in Miami. Hmm. Uh, The flight crew was under the command of Captain Bob Loft, age 55, a veteran pilot ranked 50th in seniority at Eastern Airlines. Captain Loft, which is kind of funny because his name is Loft, like the way you loft a ball or loft a plane. Anyway, Captain Loft had... Been with the airlines for over 30 years and had accumulated a total of 29,700 flight hours throughout his flying career. That's a lot of hours. Yes, he was very experienced. His first officer was Bert Stockstill, age 39, who had about 5,800 hours of flying experience. Backing them up as a second officer slash flight engineer was Don Repo, 51 who had 1,500 hours of flight experience. At
0: least it's not Kim Rico.
1: Not Kim Rico. Don Repo, which is actually a really awesome name.
0: Repo, like repossession.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The flight crew also had experience with a newly deployed Lockheed L-1011 craft, which was one of the latest generations of spacious passenger liners with newly minted Rolls-Royce turbofan jet engines that you could barely hear in the interior of the plane. Very fancy. Yeah, so this is like the 70s, and I guess, like, chatting with my parents, they're like, planes are so loud. <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't, like. I mean, they can be, I guess. Yeah. Taking for granted the fact that that's like a, a new innovation of the 80s. True, yeah. So this is one of the first planes where it's like, whisper soft.
0: That's very true.
1: So although the L-1011 had only been in service for four months, Captain Loft and his crew had accumulated a combined 639 flight hours on this particular model of plane and were very confident in the airliner's performance. The flight was routine until the flight crew prepared their descent into Miami at 11.32 p.m. Captain Loft attempted to lower the landing gear. But First Officer Stockstill noticed that the instrument light that confirmed the plane's nose landing gear was ready to go failed to illuminate. Unable to confirm if their landing gear was extended and locked into position, the flight crew cycled the landing gear again, but the nose landing gear confirmation light still didn't illuminate. Captain Loff radioed the control tower at Miami International Airport and advised that they were having trouble with their landing gear and requested a holding pattern above the airport. The approach controller cleared the flight to climb to 2,000 feet and then hold west over the Everglades.
0: I don't know what that means.
1: So basically, a holding pattern. Because when you have an airport, there's a bunch of different flights coming in, and the control po- the control tower is the point on the ground that's organizing them all. Yeah. And the idea is that that way, if a flight's communicating with the control tower, they don't have to worry about all the other planes. The control tower is worrying about that for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you go into a holding pattern, it basically the airport kind of tells you, okay, here's the route where you need to be. Here's the elevation you need to be at to make sure that you're not going to get in the flight path of another vehicle that makes sense now so they call into the tower i'm like okay go to 2000 feet and head west you'll be over the everglades do your circle around the airport and then you can come back for another landing attempt i guess okay anyway so flight 401 climbs to 2000 feet and captain loft orders the first officer to turn on the autopilot He's hoping that by circling around the airport, that will give him time to fix this problem with the landing gear, and then they can make their final descent and land in Miami. Flight engineer Repo went down to the avionics bay, which was located underneath the flight deck, to look at this small little porthole to see if the landing gear was indeed actually down, and it was just an issue with the light itself. Meanwhile, Captain stalked still attempt to replace the confirmation bulb and the way that this aircraft worked in its instrument panel it's basically like this two inch square all-in-one light assembly okay and you kind of just like pop it in and then pop it out so they pop it out
0: plug it in plug it it in
1: and then they get a new one out of the box and they try to plug it in now captain loff and still struggle a little bit to get the replacement assembly inserted as the men are working on the instrument panel one of them accidentally bumps the control wheel which knocks the Autopilot partially off, and tips the plane's nose down by a few degrees.
0: Huh. Okay.
1: The plane drops a hundred feet and then Shit. flies level for for a few more minutes. Then it began to gradually descend. It was so gradual that Captain Loft and Stockstill failed to notice this as they're working on the instrument panel. Oh. <laughs> So at this point the I mean, plane is
0: not taking complete nosedive. Yeah, it's not like
1: it's, no, it's just like a little, a little. It's the little things, really.
0: Yeah, apparently when things. you don't notice it, little things can uh, mean a lot.
1: Also, too, it's nighttime. Remember, so it's not oh, like yeah. they can see that they're like there's not a whole. They, they just see darkness. Yeah, that's in true. the plane lights, right? So they're still working on the control panel. The plane begins to descend at 200 feet per minute. Now, of course, modern airliners have safety mechanisms. At 250 feet of lost altitude, the Altometer triggers an altitude warning that chimes on the flight engineer workstation. But the flight engineer repo had gone below to look out that little tiny porthole to see if the landing gear is down, and Loft and Stockstill failed to notice the chiming. Okay. In another minute, the plane was at a thousand feet above the Everglades.
0: Oh, okay. Well.
1: Yeah. Kind of terrifying.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: At eleven forty-two stocksdale notices their're dropping altitude because he started to turn the plane 180 degrees to continue their holding pattern 10 seconds later eastern airline flight 401 slammed into the muddy everglade earth about oh, 19 shit. miles northwest of miami International Airport great yeah so basically in the course of 10 minutes the plane they' just yeah insane how quickly that happens now the truly horrifying part to me is that the plane was traveling at flight speed so it was going 227 miles per hour
0: oh okay
1: and because stock still was mid-turn when the plane crashed the lower left wing and engine hit the ground first yeah and like anything it started to flip yep so basically you have this jet plane that is spinning like a pinwheel through the everglades great yeah a fireball rips through the fuselage and the right engine keeps running so it keeps pushing the parts of the plane into the swamp Now, the main section of the plane disintegrates, separating the nose and tail sections. Uh, No complete cross-section of the passenger cabin remained intact, and both the port wing, so which would be the left side, and the tail end of the plane were demolished into huge fragments. The crash cut three massive 115 feet swaths through the mud and sawgrass, and the wreckage spread over an area... Of 1,600 feet long, 330 feet wide. Oh shit. Okay. So it's just like boom all over the place. Yeah. Incredibly, 78 people survived the initial impact. Despite their own injuries, 10 people were on the plane. 163 plus 13 okay. crew members. Um, So 78 people survived the initial impact. And they're just like basically in this completely shredded and destroyed plane yeah. in the middle of the darkness in the Everglades.
0: <laughs> that's that's fun.
1: Fucking terrifying.
0: Not anything I would ever like to do.
1: Now, despite their own injuries, 10 of the surviving flight attendants begin to help survivors. And the first thing they do is warn them not to light any matches. Because, again, it's dark. Flashlights weren't standard equipment on planes at the time. And the plane's jet fuel is basically seeping into all of the swampy water near them. And jet fuel is one of those things where, like, it'll burn your skin on contact. So they're like, don't let any matches. And they're screaming this into the darkness. One flight attendant, 25-year-old Beverly Raposa, began calling into the darkness of the swamp, hoping to gather survivors. She asked them to follow her voice through the darkness to find her. As the night wore on and her group of survivors grew, people started crawling out of their seats, injured they could make it to her. She led them into a dry patch of land to wait. She decided that the best way they could keep their spirits up and also alert rescu- rescuers to the location was to sing Christmas carols. Because remember, it's December 21 Oh, okay.
0: I was like, why Christmas carols? I had
1: that thought too. And I'm like, that's weird. And I looked at the date. I was like, oh my oh, gosh, yeah. it's Christmas okay. time too. This is terrible.
0: But at least they had their lives for
1: Christmas. Yeah. Uh, local Miami authorities coordinate with the Everglades National Park Services and they finally began rescuing survivors around 1 a.m. on December 30th, 1972. And the rescue efforts continued until the early afternoon. Okay. In total, 101 people died from the crash or shortly afterwards. Ah, shit. This included the entire flight crew, although flight engineer Ripo, who was in the avionics bay when the flight crashed, survived and was evacuated, but he died later at the hospital. Now, while the softer ground of the Everglades Swamp absorbed a lot of the force of the crash, yeah. uh, the midsection of the plane still absorbed a huge bulk of it, and that's why a majority of the folks who were killed were actually seated in that section. Oddly enough, the muddy landing may have actually saved more lives by temporarily sealing survivors' bleeding wounds. So basically people would wake up and they'd be like covered in swamp mud. Yeah. So whatever deep cuts you had would be sealed by mud, so it stopped you from bleeding out. Yeah. Uh, And surprisingly, now the Everglades are full of all these microscopic organisms in the ecosystem. You would think that's terrible. You get infections. You're going to get gangrene, that sort of thing. Yeah. Only eight people actually had any kind of infection. Oh, that's good. Isn't that insane? Yeah. So Lucky. Nobody got out of this plane crash uninjured. All the survivors had injuries. Um, 60 of them had serious injuries. 17 were lucky enough to walk away with only minor injuries that didn't require hospitalization. Well, that's good. The most common injuries make a lot of sense. Uh, they were people who had fractured ribs, spines, pelvises, and in their lower extremities because you figure you're seated.
0: Yeah. And then about sometimes like seatbelts in cars can yeah, actually can, like, do a lot more damage.
1: Yeah, it can like crush your pelvis and stuff. Yeah, they'll keep you
0: sitting. from being ejected from the vehicle, yeah. but you're still going to have you know that because inertia is a thing, mm-hmm. so uh, you're mm-hmm. still going to have a lot of injuries.
1: At the time. The crash of Eastern Airlines flight 401 was the highest death toll of any single plane crash in the continental United States. But then something weird started happening to the other Lockheed L1011 crafts in Eastern Airlines fleet.
0: Huh, okay, so we're talking about haunted planes here. Mhm. That's different and that is yeah, you're right, like supernatural.
1: Yep, yep. So in Early 1973, a flight attendant on an Eastern Airlines flight from Newark, New Jersey to Miami had a passenger in first class who wasn't listed on the flight manifest. The passenger was dressed as an other Eastern pilot. So the head stewardess assumed it was an off-duty pilot flying home.
0: Fuck me. Are you fucking kidding me?
1: I'm not kidding you. (laughs) Uh,
0: Fuck off. No. (laughs) Uh.
1: Now the flight attendant goes to the man she's asked him for his name he's like sir you're not in the manifest do you know who you are do you like can i have your name so i can cross check it do you know if you're supposed to be on this flight and he doesn't respond he just stares straight ahead almost like he's in a daze
0: oh shit this really really is like that supernatural episode
1: <laughs> so the the flight attendant's at a loss so she goes to the flight's captain before they take off and asks him to speak to the man so she can finish you know preparing the cabin for departure when the captain approaches the first class seat, he freezes and he turns pale and just says, oh my God, it's Bob Loft.
0: Oh.
1: Because he recognized the other pilot. Yeah. So this man who's seated there just disappears. Ah. And the flight crew goes, ah. Uh. So like once
0: they noticed who he was, he disappeared. Yeah, he
1: disappeared. Over the next year and a half, numerous Eastern employees reported seeing the ghosts of the flight crew from flight 401 in other Eastern L 1011 planes. Uh, there's all kinds of stories. Some flight attendant said that they saw flight engineer Don Repo's reflection in the galleys, like on like the oven doors and things like that. Yeah. Another flight attendant on a New York Miami flight opened the overhead bin to see Captain Loft's face staring back at her.
0: Excuse me? Yes.
1: <laughs> like you're just like, hey, store your bags. Oh my God. No. <laughs> An entire Eastern Airlines cockpit crew saw repo sitting among them on another flight. They claimed that the dead men warned them that there was a faulty electrical circuit. Oh, shit. Which was found and repaired. Even the Eastern Airlines vice president saw loft on a plane preparing to take off from JFK. Wow. So it's always the same flight path, the same ones that they died on. Yeah. It's always the same type of plane that they appear on. And most of the uh, manifestations were either kind of like the first one, just weird, not really threatening, but just like, you know, yeah. unnerving, but not threatening. And then the other ones were like the one with Repo warning the guys about a bad electrical circuit, helpful almost being so, like, hey, yeah. check this.
0: It's basically like they're trying to make sure what happened to them doesn't happen again.
1: Exactly. So those are the
0: kind of ghosts I like. I can deal with ghosts. Right?
1: right. You're like, these are helpful ghosts. Okay. Okay.
0: Just like I always say, I'm just because there's different types of fairies. Mm -hmm. um, And I was always just like, I don't really want shit to haunt me, whether it's a ghost or any sort of supernatural creature. But brownies, which are a type of fairy, they're helpful. They can come around my house because they clean stuff for you.
1: I'll I'll leave milk out for them. I (laughs) will
0: let them clean my house. (laughs) I will not mind that.
1: Like I can leave some milk and bread out for them. It's fine.
0: Bread and honey, milk. Yeah. Fine.
1: Whatevs. So these stories start to like proliferate among Eastern Airlines employees, to the point where Eastern Airlines has to publicly deny that their planes are haunted. Oh God. They released Eastern
0: Airlines. We're not haunted.
1: Flying the unhaunted skies. Now internally, management starts referring employees who report ghost settings to the company psychologist thinking maybe it's just the trauma of, you know, losing their colleagues that's causing this.
0: This is what I hated about being married to a skeptic. <laughs> because it was like, oh well it's probably just um what's it called?
1: What the Survivor's hell? guilt?
0: No. Where a whole bunch of people hallucinate the same thing. Oh, mass hysteria. Yeah, mass
1: hysteria. Yeah.
0: As I clap really loudly. I'm sorry guys. Um I was just very happy that I thought of the word that I was trying to think of. Mass hysteria, yeah.
1: Right. So they're like, okay, you know, talk to the company psychology. We'll get this all sorted out. It's not definitely not haunted. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah, exactly. But that doesn't stop the stories and they keep spreading. It gets so bad that all of a sudden the logbooks from flights where crews report seeing the flight 104 ghosts start to disappear too. Huh. And the interesting thing is that Eastern Airlines had a very clear policy that you recorded everything in the flight book, no matter how minor. Yeah. So any kind of weird thing, that they would see, like, I saw a reflection of a ghost in there, and they would record it in the flight books or the flight logs. Uh, at this point, Eastern Airlines decides they got to take more action to stop these rumors, and they infl- advise employees that spreading ghost stories are now grounds for firing.
0: Oh, God, are you serious? Will,
1: Can you, if you talk about ghosts? That is
0: so dumb.
1: Here's Can't where. It- say the G word. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's where it gets extra weird. By 1975, it was discovered that Eastern Airlines had salvaged parts from the crash of Flight 401. They used these parts in the other L-1011s in Eastern's fleet. And these planes that had their salvaged parts were the very same planes where the crew reported seeing the Flight 401 flight crew ghosts. Oh, wow. So essentially... It's almost like uh, psychometry, right? Where it's yeah. these objects that are imbued with some sort of psychic energy left over. Yeah. And when they use them in the new planes, that's why that's the ghosts are when... manifest in them.
0: Yeah. You know, I and that's also been on another freaking TV show, and I can't think of what it is. Mm-hmm. But that was the plot line of yet another TV show.
1: Agreed. If that sounds familiar to you, Eden, which it clearly does. Yeah. <laughs> it could be because there was a really successful book written by John G. Fuller in the late 70s called Ghost of Flight 401. It was made into a TV movie in 1978. Uh, mm-hmm. There's another movie that's inspired by these events called Crash. Uh, it's also from 78. And it's based on the same events It's the idea of a plane that crashes in the Everglades. And then yeah. the salvage parts lead to future hauntings on other flights. And since I know you love Supernatural, mm-hmm. I did look up the episode because it did sound familiar to it me. It was
0: one of the very first episodes.
1: It was. Good for you. It was in epi- episode two. Or I think it was episode four. Four, okay. Uh, but it was season one. It was the Phantom Traveler episode. And they mentioned flight 401 when they're talking about all of these flights that have crashed because a demon is possessing people who are terrified of yep. flying. And it's co- then the demon like causes the plane to crash. So. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm just Thank looking you. Out for you. Because I know you would be like, so irritated and have to look up what episode it was. Oh, no. I
0: knew exactly <laughs> what episode it was. Exactly what episode it was.
1: But yeah, so what do you think?
0: very interesting it is different from what we normally come across Mm -hmm. uh and i like the fact that it tied back to supernatural of course (laughs) um oh god i need to finish watching that show once the last season comes on netflix even though i don't want to because that means it's over it's truly over but you know whatever i'll still have my first five seasons of it which are the good ones (laughs) um (laughs) i really did like your story it was very interesting you don't really come across. I mean, you do come across haunted objects, but not to like the extent that your story. Mm-hmm. Like does. I've
1: heard, I've heard of other things of like you know, and I always think of like World War Two. Thank you, unsolved mysteries. Yeah, there's definitely like a plane where it was like shot down. They reused the parts and like the the pot. like Although, the, yeah, those I mean, soldiers would reappear.
0: That's true because um, my mom knew someone who had a house. And um, I forget what exactly happened, but like the house didn't seem haunted at all. Mm-hmm. Then they started reusing the wood that they took down from somewhere else in a different room. And then hauntings started. Violent, crazy hauntings.
1: Well, that's terrifying.
0: Yeah. Like something sitting on your chest and strangling you. So what hauntings. you're
1: saying is just pay that extra money to go to Home Depot and get the new stuff?
0: Exactly. Don't do not okay. do it. Don't salvage. Um. So your story... Is that the reason you brought the aviator sunglasses with you today?
1: Always. (laughs) I had to get in theme, get in the mood. Exactly. So my sources were Wikipedia, FlamingoMag.com, Ozzy.com, and NationalParks.org.
0: My sources for this week are Wikipedia, Murderpedia, ThoughtCo.com, DeadlyWomen.Fandom.com, WJHG.com, I hate doing those ones. Um, WordPress.com and Killer Babysitter, the true story of Christine Falling by Diane Ulmer.
1: So that's our episode for today, gang. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback or questions or you just want to chat, you can do that by sending us a quick email at show at gmail.com.
0: You can also visit us on Facebook or Instagram at Roadside Horror Show, or Twitter at Roadside Horror.
1: You can learn more, even see pictures that correlate to some of our episodes on our website at roadsidehorrorshow.podbean.com.
0: Uh, we'd like to thank Yoxbox Designs for our amazing logo, and E. Massey for our intro and outro music.
1: All right, Roadsters, until next week, creep, creep on, it on. Creepin on.